0: Love Talk Radio Let's get lost In a better place Pick up a book, Travel through time and space So much to learn So much to see A chance to escape Reality Open your mind And your heart Good morning everyone, this is Book Talk with Fran Lewis, brought to you by MJ Network, MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce, and we have the author of Liquid Shades of Blue here. This is fantastic. When hungover ex-lawyer and Key West bar owner Jack Gerard quickly wakes up one morning, you're not going to believe what was next to him, a woman. Hmm. Ringing the phone, seeing the call is from his father, Claude the Duke, Grand Gerard, Drac answers it. And within seconds, his whole life is going to change. He learns that his mother is dead in what they think is an apparent suicide. And I'm not going to tell you anymore. You've got to listen to find out. Good morning and welcome to MJ Network.
1: Well, good morning, friend.
0: So this, the uh, prologue sort of sets the tone for what happened. How did you set that? Because I immediately knew something was going to happen.
1: Right. Well, I you know, I was trying to create uh, some sort of a dramatic effect that mm-hmm. would cause the reader to want to wanna keep turning pages. <laughs> and uh, that's sort of what I came up with.
0: Well, you did a good job because I read the book in an hour and a half. I just sat down and read it. I'm a speed, wow. yeah, I did. I just sat well, down and read not, it It's not the
1: longest book in the world.
0: well, that's what made it even easier. You know what I really love is Ocean View. The fonts are readable, whereas lately the books of the fonts are like I turn them away because I can't see it forget it. So hmm. how and why did you introduce us I like Jack, and who is Anna, and why was he so disoriented?
1: well. Jack had been, you know, since he moved to Key West after the, uh, and I don't you know, want to get too far ahead, but after the debacle at his father's law firm, when he moved to Key West, um, Jack had been drinking a lot, and uh, he was sort of finding his way a little bit, and um, this, you know, he bought this bar, and he kind of fell into that lifestyle a little bit, and so this relationship with Anna, sort of, uh, for him, it was a it was a distant thing. There was an attraction there uh, because mm-hmm. she was a sex worker, and she would show up in the bar every once in a while, and they'd look at each other, and there was something there, but that neither one of them was really ever pursuing it. And then on this one night, uh, it sort of connected, and you know they wound up uh, in bed together.
0: Well, at least you had some fun before it got dicey out here.
1: <laughs> yeah, so although, you was... know, they didn't have sex that night, which is important.
0: Yeah, I know. At least he had <laughs> some fun, real fun. Hmm. So, yeah, I like Tracy. So, who is Tracy, and tell yeah. us about his bar.
1: Well, Tracy, of course, is uh, sort of the, the right hand for Jack in the operation of the bar. She's mm-hmm. uh, a very vivacious person, and... Uh, very good with people, and, and, and you know her her superpower is that she can read people very well. And Jack is one of the people she can read, and uh, he is unsettled by the fact that he can't uh, he has no secrets from her, and there there's mm. she sees right through any attempt at uh, artifice that he might uh, advance. So uh, that's uh, you know that's an interesting relationship also going forward.
0: So tell us about the smuggling ring and how come he lost his, his license?
1: Well, uh, Jack lost his license because his father uh, set up a scam, sort of a billing scam in the law firm uh, to make extra money on uh, certain types of cases that came into the firm, uh that allowed for a award of attorney's fees. And so Jack uh, got caught up in this because he was, the, he was the lawyer actually handling those cases. And he didn't know that mm. his father was essentially double billing the cases. Uh, mm. and, that, uh, and, and this was you know, of course, unethical. Uh, but uh, Jack sort of falls on his sword, accepts a six-month suspension of his law license, uh, while the, the, the Duke, his father, uh, gets off scot-free with his reputation intact. Um, now, he does give Jack a $200,000 bonus, which he then uh, takes to Key West and buys this bar. Uh, but Jack, of course, is a little unsettled by the fact that he had allowed himself to be blackmailed that way. Uh, and and so that's another thing that's troubling for Jack during his uh, his life in Key West as it was just getting started.
0: That's kind of a lot to ask a child to do, a son to do. And sort of put yeah. him in a bad light with a lot of other people. Exactly I, right. I wonder how many attorneys <laughs> would do that. You just never know, right? <laughs> so, you, you
1: don't. And, and ambition runs in law firms. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just,
0: tell, you know tell me about it. I know this.
1: that from experience. Yeah.
0: So, so why does his father do call him? And how come he drops everything? And I got like a weird feeling about this whole thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, the Duke calls him uh, essentially, well, within a day of learning mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Betty was dead, uh, Jack realizes that, that the Duke actually, he could have called him sooner um, because this, the, you know, mm-hmm. the events, the Duke learned of this the prior day on that Friday and didn't call Jack until Saturday. And so something mm. went on there, and Jack is Jack is starting to you know, eventually. He, he's still a little numb and groggy at the, you know at that point on Saturday when he learns of all this. But as time goes along, he starts putting things together, as you as you notice.
0: I, you know, but I noticed obviously the Duke
1: the, the Duke wanted him to come back to Miami, mm. which is where they grew up, um, as soon as possible, really to talk to him and make sure that they were all on the same page about the fact that Betty was, in fact, uh, a suicide victim.
0: Well, that's what they think. That's scary. So how does he react to the news about his mother? And when he goes to a bar, how come people, well, bartenders, everybody talks to bartenders. I don't drink, so I'm no help. I I (laughs) drink coffee. That's me. That's the only thing I drink, people. (laughs) That and water. So Why does he react to his mother's suicide, supposedly? And why do people open up? bartenders? (laughs) A bar to bartenders?
1: <laughs> well, those are two separate things, I think. But, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, when, when when people go into a bar and sit at the bar, um, they're looking to loosen up a little bit, I think, you know, generally speaking, that first cocktail mm. sort of loosens them up a little bit. And sometimes these are lonely people, and they're looking to talk to someone, anyone that'll listen to them. And uh, sometimes the bartender fills that role. Um you know and 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 Jack sort of you know he's he's good at it uh in in his own bar as is tracy and and that's uh you know that's one of the reasons they've become a little bit successful in their in their bar
0: I wonder why a bartender never wrote a book about his what what people tell them It'd be interesting
1: yeah yeah
0: really but, you know probably somebody
1: has i uh, I'm unaware of it but i you know you're right that would be a good a good book for someone to write.
0: It would be a good book for me to review. It'd be different, let me tell you. And I've gotten some <laughs> really gypsy doodles lately. <laughs> so tell us about Betty Gerard and her family, and why did they distance themselves from the father?
1: Well, Betty, uh, of, of course, was born into a very wealthy, uh, hmm. old-line Miami family, the Jonathans. Uh, she was raised in a, they were very strict Catholics, uh, as when she was a kid. Uh, and she, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, was a rebellious type. She was a free spirit, mm. uh, and didn't handle all of that well as a kid. Um, uh, ultimately, uh, went to college and, uh, that, which is where she met the Duke and, uh, had an instant attraction to him that she really couldn't shake, and ultimately just gave into it.
0: Sometimes that just happens, and sometimes you got to take a step back. And most people don't take a step back; they just fall right into it. Now, this question right. really, you know, brings back memories. Tell about his brother and his death that changed his life, and his mother's. Well, my sister died twelve years ago. I haven't quite accepted it yet because I really don't know what caused her death and what happened that day. So how did did you relate that to the story? Yeah.
1: Um, Well, the the thing with Bobby, of course, was he was dealing with issues that he had never expressed to anyone, Mm -hmm. including his brother, who he was very close to. You know, Jack and Bobby were very close growing up. They did a lot of the same things, but they also had their their own independent lives as well. Um, Mm. But when when Bobby died uh, in their shared condominium in Gainesville, where they were going to Mm.
0: uh,
1: to school together, they were both on the track team there. uh, And and Jack discovered Bobby's body. That's you know that was a very difficult. Thing for for Jack to accept uh, because he found the note that Bobby had written, uh, and the note was mm-hmm. somewhat self-explanatory, and it it revealed uh, Bobby's secret, the thing that he had kept to himself, and that uh, and that you know the, the thing that he couldn't live with any longer, uh, and that. That obviously had a big effect on Jack as well, and it, and it wound up dividing their family.
0: Well, I never found out. My sister had a massive heart attack on June 26, 2010, and the mom said that she was married to, it happened at 1.30 in the afternoon. He didn't call me until 9 o'clock at night to tell wow. me. Yeah, and that's when I went to the hospital, got there at 10, and it was downhill ever since. So, who is Julio Guzman, and how does he link to his mother? and what does the well, father tell Guzman everything about is, him?
1: well Guzman, of course, is a uh, a, a Miami businessman uh, mm-hmm. who's made a ton of money in the healthcare care business um, He runs a network of uh, hospitals and for- profit hospitals and, and uh, other uh, 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 healthcare-related things, mm. uh, but he also, he's Colombian, and uh, as a boy in Colombia, he had a couple of friends, uh, and they got into the, the drug game, as uh, some people did. And uh, one of the things that he continues to do, even after uh, obtaining all of this success in Miami as a businessman, was he kept his, uh, his fingers in that drug business, and uh, with these two friends, and it was a relatively small operation, but it was very lucrative. And so he and they kept it very tight, uh, so there was mm. very little known about it, which is, which becomes a thing in the, in the in the book because nobody can find out anything about this operation, even when yeah. Jack goes to a DEA agent. Uh, there's not a lot known about this, although people suspect it. But there, there's nothing. There's no, you know, for example, there are there are no. Uh, you know, uh, lower-level guys in this operation that they can turn uh, mm. or infiltrate the gang. Uh, so it's it's just a, a real tight-knit group. Uh, and so you know, the Duke uh, finds out that you know he's getting a divorce with from Betty, um, and you know, on on the face of it, the, the, the divorce is proceeding amicably. The Duke learns that uh, Betty was having an affair with this guy, Guzman, mm. who happened to live, live in the same condominium building uh, where uh, the Gerrards had a, a condo over on Miami Beach. Uh, and that's where she met Guzman, and they had an affair while this divorce was pending. Uh, and that's, uh, that was a, a connection uh, that she made The Duke un- found out about it, and then he tried to exploit that um, and, and and cause for example, Jack uh, to suspect that Guzman was in fact behind uh betty's death uh, in, in part because you know the idea was that uh Betty had discovered Guzman's alternate life uh and that that he would he you know in, in line with his The way that that little gang operated, uh, Mm. she was a loose end at that point, and uh, she needed to go. Uh, That's the way the Duke was trying to spin it to Jack, and and by doing this, he was hoping to uh, inflict harm on Guzman, who you know he 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 had no warm feelings for him, uh, and also uh, his wife, Um, and and so he was trying to hurt both of them.
0: Well, he's manipulative. This guy's smart, dude. No doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, so how does he justify his actions and manipulations, and why doesn't anybody realize, or they do realize, they're too afraid to do anything about it? Because he, he knew how to get well, the job done.
1: He sure did. Um, and he is manipulative. And uh, the the thing with the Duke, I think, and you've come to realize it eventually, mm. is that his, he's a true narcissist and that his... The only things that matter to him are him, uh, or is him. And, you know, that's his, his feelings are 100% focused on what benefits him in any given situation. And, he, uh, and the interesting thing about the Duke, I think, is that he knows mm. that about himself. Uh, he's very self-aware. And I think that's the reason he's able to, uh, uh, to sort of gain the success that he's had, because he can play various roles for various people. When he needs to Including in front of juries He can he can play well, that uh, the,
0: the role Well there are an awful lot of gullible people There are the people that don't even realize What he's doing Because a lot of people exactly. take everything of face value And they don't realize you need to Like me If I don't know something I'm <laughs> going to drive somebody crazy Until they give me the answer I need to hear yeah. And if it's one that I don't want to hear I'll You know it's something that I have to hear i just like I don't care I'm just going to ask mm-hmm. because people need to question more. That's that's the problem. They just take everything mm-hmm. at face value. So maybe that's why Duke got away with it. So Jack, oh, sure. Jack,
1: to a large extent,
0: Jack is haunted by his dreams. How come? And what is the case that destroyed him?
1: Well, um, his his dreams uh, were always focused on loss. You know, uh, and you know, when he was in law school, that was when uh, Bobby's death was most acute, and mm. and so he was haunted by uh, Bobby's death, and 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 that and it would his feelings about it would show up at, at odd times, and one of the odd times that those sorts of things appear is in dreams at night uh, when you're trying to sleep, and and that happened to Jack, and, and you know I think it's happened less and less, but. Um, you know, I, I don't talk about that much in the book after that period in law school, but you can you can mm-hmm. imagine that that sort of thing continues on for some period.
0: I can. It was more like I'm doing um, Janie and Crantz, who does lucid dreams and psychic dreams. She does. She's into that. And this seemed more like a lucid dream, like he actually was living it as it was happening. That even mm-hmm. when he woke up, he sort of remembered what happened. And most people don't yeah. remember nightmares, but he did. So,
1: yeah, exactly. What,
0: what was the case that took him down, and why? <laughs> and he agreed to be a scapegoat for his father. I don't know how many people would do that.
1: Yeah, and uh, and and Jack wonders why he did it.
0: Um, yeah, it's, I know. Uh,
1: it, it's an excellent question. I mean, you know, it, it, the the Duke was a very domineering presence. He had a very very strong personality. Mm-hmm. He had. Uh, he had more or less dominated uh Jack and his brother since they were kids uh, and it it it, it, it almost it, it, you know I guarantee you Jack still wonders about that today, <laughs> and as I told you earlier, mm. you know there is a follow up book and that and that sort of thinking is going to haunt him it's going to continue to haunt him is what you know what what was that what was it about him that made it impossible to say no? Uh, or to confront him directly, because you know Jack doesn't think of himself as being a weak person, but he mm-hmm. was in in, in in several different instances uh, that involved his father, and uh, and and finally standing up to him in a in a very meaningful way, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know of course how the book ends uh, is is important to to Jack becoming the man he had always hoped to be.
0: Well, that ending leaves you wondering what really, what happened, what really happens. And that's all I'll say about that. He's like, I sort of figure maybe there's more there. So why does he go back home? And how do you know from the beginning that the relationship is strained between him and his father?
1: Well, you know, as Jack uh, is going back to Miami, he's driving uh, through the keys on his way, he, he starts to remember things, uh, about his childhood, about the family Mm. dynamics. Uh, and, and he replays a lot of that in his mind as he's thinking about his mother, trying to finally get a grip on his own feelings about her death, which he was having trouble doing. Mm. Um, you know, he, he didn't, you know, when he first learned about it, he didn't cry. Um, he, he really was just numb and couldn't think of how to feel. Um, as if that's like a thing, you know, that I have to think about how I feel, um, and, and and so finally, as that that trip unfolds on, between QS and Miami, he it, it, it lands on him with its full force as he thinks about other things uh, from his boyhood uh, and their family dynamics.
0: That's uh, it's hard sometimes, and I know. Then sometimes you just can't accept it. And when you don't know what really happened, it's even harder to accept. So he doesn't, yeah, it's horrible. So who is Marta? Yeah. And what is Jackson Jones' (laughs) fault? Yeah, we've got to figure we can't leave her out.
1: Yeah, no, no. Marta is an important character, actually. Yeah. uh, She's sort of the rudder of the family. Um, she is the live-in housekeeper that uh, came with Betty Donovan when she uh, joined forces with the Duke and married him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marta came along as part of the deal. She she was the housekeeper uh, that um, uh, more or less raised uh, Jack and Bobby with Betty, um, taught those boys to speak Spanish, uh, and uh, loved them unconditionally, as compared to uh, their father, who put conditions on his love for his boys, uh, and as opposed to uh, Betty, who uh, was all heart and uh, loved her children uh, unconditionally.
0: Well, all I know is that my mom reminds me of the father. It had to be her way. (laughs) She was very manipulative. She she did a lot of things we just don't even think about, (laughs) So how did they talk about Guzman, and how do you know that the father wants to destroy him if he can?
1: Well, Guzman is, you know, it's another target for the Duke. And, you know, the Duke, when he sets his mind on something, some sort of a goal, he tends to achieve it. And so his goal, as, you know, is ultimately revealed, is to hurt Guzman uh, and also Betty while he's at it. Um, and, and so that's sort of how this goes. And, and so when Jack and the Duke are talking about um, Betty and, and her death, that's when the Duke sort of floats this idea that it was really uh, that, that Guzman was involved in this. Mm. he somehow set up this thing to look like a suicide because he had access to Betty because they were having an affair uh, it would have been possible for him to do what was necessary to to get those uh, drugs into her system uh, and etc
0: so tell us about the healthcare company and what are Donovan's traditions
1: well Guzmán ran the healthcare company legitimately, as a lot of people uh, in the uh, you know in various criminal enterprises. One of the great things that they attempt to do is to is to cleanse their money, uh, and to you know sometimes they eventually just go completely straight once they've made their pile, uh, and that's uh, that's sort of what Guzmán was doing with the healthcare business. Uh, they were. Uh, they, they were essentially laundering drug money through the, the healthcare system, uh, and it was coming out clean at the other end. Um, so that's how he did he did that. Now, you know, the Donovans, on the other hand, were mm. old fashioned wealthy. Uh, they they made their money in the real estate boom in the 1920s. Uh, they were uh, traders uh, in uh, various, you know, I think they made some money uh, as bootleggers <laughs> during the twenties, mm. uh, and uh, and and you know they had a trading company that operated uh, throughout the Caribbean, and that's how they really made their money, and it, and and it was generational type of wealth. It's the it's the it's the kinds of kind of pile of money that doesn't go away. <laughs>
0: that's interesting. And oh, that's something way they, that and that's very the way interesting. They grew up was about the boat, the Intrepid. Why was that important to both him and his father? What made going on there very important to him?
1: Well, as you uh, may recall, the Duke had bought another boat, a bigger, much Mm -hmm. bigger boat, a contender, 34-footer, which is uh, a great boat. But the the, uh, original boat that that Jack and Bobby had grown up on, that 26-foot Intrepid, was the family boat, and there were a lot of memories attached to that boat. Um, and ultimately, in the you know, in the scene that kind of ends the book, uh, that boat plays a role. And it was, um, you know, it, it was sort of uh, the embodiment of the childhood that, that Jack and Bobby had with their father. And it was a it was suitable that that uh, it would play a role in,
0: in the ending. Well, why do we get it? I'm going to change the next question to make it more pliant. Um, how do we know that Jack wanted was able to create stories that people would actually believe, even though it might not have been the truth? And people actually, even Jack, even, uh, Jack himself wasn't sure whether the Duke was telling the truth. But he created a story that he, he felt he couldn't get away with. How did he do that? And was he really, did Jack think he was evil? Because I think he's evil.
1: Well, I, I think Jack is wrestling with that exact concept. Mm. Um, mm. You know, the, the Duke, for example, as a fan of Friedrich Nietzsche, um, didn't really think about good and evil as concepts. It, it mm. was a, more of a utilitarian, and so the, so the idea of the Duke being evil would have been alien to the Duke himself. He, that's, not a, that's not something he would spend any time thinking about. Jack, on the other hand, I, I think does think about these things, but not as deeply mm. as someone might have if they had different parents. Um, and, and, and so I, I'm not sure if Jack, even now, in the context of the, the, the second book that I'm writing, um, mm. would, would, would actually call would actually say that his father was evil. I, I think he he tries to he, he he really tries to figure out what his motivations were and what and why why did he do the things he did. Uh, and I think those are the things that Jack wrestles with.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. And, because, and by the way, to
1: answer your question better, you, you asked another part of that question, which was mm-hmm. you know how did the Duke do these things? And and yeah. clearly. He was very effective at um, uh, creating and, and selling a story. He was, he was a great trial lawyer. Uh, he had the mm-hmm. ability uh, to convince people of things that weren't necessarily entirely true. That He did that for a living, and he was good at it. And, so it, it. and so really he was trying to sell Jack on this idea about Guzman just like he was a juror. Uh, trying to convince this him uh, that this story made sense, and what he really wanted, and this is this is true of trial lawyers generally. I mean, which I am one, <laughs> um, is you want you don't want to preach to the jury, or in this mm. case, Jack. You you want them to come to their own conclusion. You want to lead them all the way there, and then have the light bulb go off in their head, and 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 it seems like the idea is actually theirs. So what the Duke wanted is for Jack mm. to conclude that it's Guzman, that Guzman is the problem here. Mm. Uh, and, and, and so he, he's trying to lead Jack to that. And, and, you know, and he has some mild success because Jack does suspect Guzman at one point.
0: What would happen if we, had, if we had heard, the only voice we really don't hear is Betty's voice. And if Jack had asked him, asked her, why you were getting a divorce or whatever, what would might she have said? Might he have have realized what his father was doing, or maybe she wouldn't have told on him because she was afraid.
1: I think that uh, Betty's marriage started to fall apart when Mm -hmm. Bobby died, and she was asked to uh, carry a lie forward. About his death uh, If you recall it, uh, The Duke got it, it, it Essentially Caused the cause of death To be uh, uh, deemed Accidental mm-hmm. In connection with Bobby's death And he got Betty to go along with that And, and that, was, that ran counter To her nature um, to, to hold a lie Like that in uh, And so I, I think that was the beginning and end for them And I I think they sort of lifted apart, Betty got into alcohol and drugs, Um, and then, so suddenly, out of nowhere, she seemed to have gotten her act together. And that's where we discover that she uh, has these two other relationships.
0: Well, that's why the prologue sort of sets the stage, and it tells you something. exactly. You begin to wonder, well, is this true, or is this not true? Right. I got that. Not bad. (laughs) (laughs) So how does Jack get hurt And how how did you When you flash back to the past Normally when authors flash back to the past I want to go to sleep and say Why are you doing this to me I can't take this (laughs) And usually what happens is They do it in such a way that You're reading a paragraph and then go Wait a minute That didn't happen just now It happened before So how did you create a flashback to the past And how does Jack get hurt I really like Jack by the way
1: well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I I thought that telling the story, uh, telling Jack's story in a more chronological way would have been boring. It, it would have been yeah. boring to me. And so I thought it was better to put, you know, to get the action started, you know, what this book is actually about, to get it mm. started – um, you know, set it up with with Betty's death, and then uh, sort of tell Jack's story in retrospect as he's going through it. And, and because he, you know he's telling this story in first person, it's through his memories, which some of which he's unclear about. You know, some of some of mm. his memories are a little fuzzy. Um, which I thought also, you know, gave gave that a little bit more of a a, a, you know, a little more pizzazz. Uh, because you, you have to wonder: Is Jack actually telling the story accurately uh, mm-hmm. as you go along? And you you finally conclude that he is. But you know, there there might have been moments in there where you know, I don't know about Jack. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even you uh, you know, I, I want you to kind of like him. Uh, I want you to see good in him. But you 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 also notice that he's got his issues too. Yeah,
0: but he's tough, Jack. And wait till they figure out how. So before I forget. Yeah. Wednesday, this has been a blockbuster week month, I'll tell you that, uh, Covert and chi- Cairo, on the 11th, I have five New York Times authors, and we're going to talk about questioning. On the 16th, we have Alan Zendransky. On the 17th, we have New York Times author David Putnam with, with his new uh, Moonlight series. On the 18th, we have former FBI agent Mark Boughton, who's going to talk about Does Your Guy Lie? On the 22nd, somebody we all know and love, D.P. Lyle-Cultured. On the 24th, somebody else we all know and love, uh, W.P. Woodward is going to talk about Dead Drop. Oh, wait till you read that. The 25th is Amanda Quick, uh, The Bride War White. And the 30th, the book I just finally got, Thunder Road by Colin Holmes. And that's just May. Wait till you hear June. It gets even better. And that's just, I just, as a matter of fact, I was honored Yesterday, I got an email from Tess Gerreson, and she just booked one for September. Not bad <laughs> for this for this person so describe how would you describe Duke's personality? Is he a sociopath, narcissistic? Is he self-absorbed yes. how, how would How would you describe him? I mean, after reading Mark's book, I began to learn about different different types of things. I'm beginning to wonder if he yeah. thinks he has a double personality there somehow.
1: Well, I, personally, you know, I, I think that the Duke is a, a true sociopath, And, yeah, is, a, and is a and is a and is a narcissist, um, and so those two things combined mean that the only the only things that he considers are in any in any set of circumstances mm. are how, how do these circumstances affect me? Um, what is in this for me? And every everything is, is sort of filtered through that. Um, and that's the way he lives his life. And it's been very successful. And as I also said, he mm. is very self-aware. He knows this about himself. And so as a consequence, he's able to act as a compassionate person. He's able to act as a loving person when a given situation requires that. But he doesn't feel that. He doesn't feel the love. That's, mm. not, a, that's not an emotion he's, he's really familiar with. And that's why the, you know, the, the speech he gives in the church after, uh, you know, at uh, uh, Betty's funeral service is very important in the context of the book. I, you know, I, I did that for a very specific reason, mm. is, to, is, to, is to cause people to wonder, is this, mm. is the Duke speaking, are these his actual feelings or is he, is this another show that he's putting on? Uh, and you, have, you, you do wonder that, and you know I think by the end of the book you come to a conclusion about that. But uh, at the time, you, you might be softening a little bit about the duke.
0: Well, I, I think that the duke loved people, and convenience, but really didn't love them. I think he used them for purposes of his own. That's how I felt when I came away with this. It's like, oh, I love Betty this week, and next week I'm going to, you know, who cares? It's almost as if mm-hmm. what he, when he wants people to do something, he shows some kind of emotion, but basically he really doesn't care. That's how, I, that's how he comes across to me anyway.
1: Well, that's accurate. And I, I, I think that's, She's not that's bad. <laughs> in fact, the way he, he operated. Yeah, no, I, that's the way he operated. And I, I think, you know, as I said, he, he, can, he can act the part of mm-hmm. being a loving father or of a loving husband. He can do that, but that's not his nature.
0: I didn't think so. So when you created the final scene, how did you create it without giving it away? Because I was like, "Oh my God!" I was like, "What a what a rude awakening, people."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know I, I certainly don't want to.
0: No, I, don't tell anybody.
1: You tell me. Should I I, I? I guess we shouldn't really discuss what actually happened there.
0: Okay, but don't.
1: There 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 was a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, you do learn about the, the uh well, you know, the the, the ocean holds many secrets and there there's a lot that can on mm-hmm. below the surface and, and it uh, it it comes back and uh and and fights the uh the duke quite literally.
0: Well, we're not gonna say what happens because we're not really sure <laughs> what happens. It's sort of like you're wondering, did that really happen? So Jack's Jack is loyal. Do you think he's, he's loyal, he would use loyalty to his father because he was his father or because he felt that he needed to show loyalty? And if he could relive his wife's life, would he do it differently? Like tell his father where to go that's maybe? A,
1: yeah, that, that's a great question. And I, I know that, that and, and it's important that that's unresolved. And I, I think it's, it's unresolved even in Jack's mind now, um, exactly why he did what he did. Uh, why he was willing to show such deference to his father and, and exhibit such loyalty to that man. Um, he wonders why he did it, um, and it cost him a relationship. Mm. You know, so I, I think you know that's one of the that's one of the unresolved things that you walk away from the book thinking about is you know why did Jack do that? And, and I think yeah. that is, is right there with you.
0: Well, if Jack saw a therapist or something, what advice do you think they would give him in the future?
1: Well, I think Jack would probably use some therapy. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I would say that. Um, yeah. And I, I think that uh, the first thing the therapist would try to do is identify Jack's actual feelings. Um, and what, what are you really feeling? And, and you know, is, is there some part of the deep way of thinking that is in your uh, life? Uh, or, or do you have real emotions like your mother? Uh, and if so, what are they? How are, how are you actually feeling now? And you, mm. don't have to, you don't have to put on any sort of an act. You don't have to feel a certain way. You don't have to exhibit a certain uh, type of feeling. You just have to feel it <laughs> and let that be whatever it is. And I think that's the sort of thing that Jack has come to grips with in his own life.
0: Was there anybody else in his family that he was close with? Did he have a grandmother, grandfather, or anybody that really cared about him? That he could actually he had, say, I don't like what's happening?
1: He had he he, he had his grandparents on, on mm. his mother's side, the Donovan's. Uh his grandmother he was close to. Uh and there's a brief scene there with her. Um, and he's his grandfather, uh on the Donovan side, he was not close to. He was a relatively stern uh, person, and, uh, and 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 he was very hard on Betty, for example, because he um, very much disapproved of her rejection mm-hmm. of the of the Catholic Church. That was a big thing in their family.
0: <clears throat> so they sort of they had like a blueprint as to as to how that she was supposed to live her life, but she didn't. Sounds like my mother
1: That's exactly
0: right. Yeah, my mother my mother was like that. You're going to do this this way, and if I didn't get a 100 on a test, I had to write it over five times to make it right. 99 wasn't good enough. <laughs> so there were a lot of parents like that. It's hard. How do you live up to yeah. something like that? I mean, Betty must have had, a, you know, it must have been hard for her to say, "Okay, this is what you want me to do." A lot of parents just have like, you know, they write it out. This is what you're going to do, and if you don't do it, you're not going to be here anymore. So do you think that if, if Jack, did Jack feel a little, like a little put out or disowned or something by his father if he didn't listen?
1: It's possible. You know, that, that, those are the, the sorts of things that, you know, that Jack has to sort out. And so why did I do these things? Why, you know, what, what was the source of that? Uh, Betty uh, was more directly rebellious with respect to her parents. Uh, mm. Jack was less so. And, and I think that's an important thing to, to focus on: is how yeah. much of Betty was in Jack, and did it finally, uh, you know, rise to the surface?
0: That, that that that's scary. That's really scary, because people, you know, want to please their parents and stuff. But after a while, it sort of like engulfed him, without without yeah. anything. Now there there mm-hmm. are several other people that are in this story. I have the book in front of me. Before I give it away. Or next week. <laughs> so, who, yeah, my, my books go to my dermatologist. His wife, you know, texts me every week when he's when he bringing me something. I told him Monday, don't worry, there's plenty. Don't worry. <laughs> she and, and I write in my books, So you can't even read them after I write, though, after I do it. So <laughs> if Betty was alive today, do you think she could have saved Bobby from doing what he did? Yeah. Would he have listened well, to her? I, I, That's one of your reading questions,
1: by the way. Yeah, and that's a very important question.
0: uh, Because
1: Betty, I think, believed that. Um, After Bobby died, I think in her mind, she thought to herself, Mm -hmm. I could have saved him. I should have had this conversation with him. I I realized um, what he was dealing Mm -hmm. with, and I never talked to him about it. I should have. That's what I think Betty would say today.
0: What about Jack? Do you think that he felt that he could have been more aware of what happened to his brother? That he yeah, might be, be able I to so. stop it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was the kind of thing, you know, brothers, you know, when, you know, these are two, you know, red-blooded American boys, um, they're, you know, attractive boys, and for some reason, you know, Bobby wasn't dating much uh, in high school or college, and Jack had to uh, have observed this he probably did bring it up once or twice. That's not revealed in the book. But, you mm. know, that sort of thing would come up between brothers. And, he, you know, you, you just wonder how Jack could not have known uh, what was going on.
0: Well, sometimes, Jack, uh, you know, I that noticed that people live in the same house and yet they don't really see what's happening. Maybe they don't want to. Yeah. I mean, a, yeah. a lot of times... Um, you know, people say to you, this is this, you know, go to your room or don't listen or whatever, and kids over here, and sometimes they don't want you to know what's going on. So that makes it even hard. Maybe Jack knew but really didn't want to. So if Jack could speak to that's his father right now, what would he say?
1: You know, that's an excellent question, and I've never even pondered it. Um, <laughs> this is what I, happens when I, I friends think he just would, think
0: such to think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I think he would be more confrontational with his father mm. if you could talk to him right now. Um, and I, I, I think he would speak his mind more clearly uh, and tell him his own personal regrets, for example, not standing up to him uh, when the thing at the law firm happened yeah. uh, and things like that. I think he, those are the kinds of things he would confront him with. Not that it would make any difference to the Duke, honestly. I mean, the Duke would just shrug that off.
0: Why, I don't know. Why would he even think to do that again? So if he had to do this whole thing over from the beginning and his father called him, would he go, jump again? Or do you think maybe he would just say, so. now, wait a minute, what really happened to my mother? Uh, why did you wait to call me?
1: Yeah, I, I think all of those things, yes. I think Jack, you know, the, the, the one important thing about this whole story, the way it, it goes, is Jack does uh, mature right before your eyes. And the, these things, yeah. you know, all, he's had a lot of very difficult experiences already in his relatively young life, um, but there's always room for growth, and, and you see him experience it right before your eyes. That's what the, the book is really about.
0: So where where do you see him next? Where do we see him next? And how long before I get it? Well,
1: <laughs> well, I, no, seriously. I, of, uh, publication. Well, in terms of publication date, I don't know. Um, but the you know I'm about halfway through the actual mm-hmm. writing of the book. And what, what where it picks up is back in Key West. Uh, he's still running mm-hmm. the bar. He's got his uh, law practice is moving along a little bit um and another thing happens that uh kind of messes up his life and he's gotta he's gotta deal with it again
0: and are you gonna bring back anna i mean, or are you gonna give yep. him somebody yep. else
1: she's no no anna's Anna's in it uh as is uh tracy um, oh good yeah. So that uh, that little thing is still there. That little uh, that chemical attraction on, that, that runs in both of those directions, by the way, um, because there's clearly something between Jack and Anna, and there's something between Tracy and Jack. So it's uh, it's interesting.
0: Should be interesting if the two of them are in the same room and they don't like it. That'll be even more interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you know, Tracy's made it clear that she doesn't like Anna. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yes. one thing we know.
0: I agree with her, you see you can't trust these people i I know very sad. <laughs> and what <one, one, laughs> what one final question so Jack sought sure. redemption, and did he view did 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 your view of his change you know happen at the end and do you think jack if Jack could change this one thing in his life, what do you think he would change and if he you know I know his father whatever happens happens. But if he could bring back somebody, would he bring back his mother or his brother?
1: Well, I, personally, I, I think if he, could, if he had to choose one or the other, uh, he would bring back his brother.
0: Um, yeah, I agree. And,
1: and I think the reason is he, he, he would have wanted Bobby to live his actual life, whatever it was. And, and, and whatever slings and arrows come with that, that's fine. Uh, but at least experience them. Um, I think he would have wished that for him. Um, you know, obviously, he would also like to bring his mother back, and mm. would, and hopefully, uh, would allow her to live her life uh, the way in a in a free way, um, you know, without the uh, the duke uh, attempting to corral her, which was you know that was a hard thing to do.
0: I understand that. My sister, when I go to the cemetery to visit it, I look at the stone and I say to her, what happened that day? Why didn't he call 911? She had, she collapsed at one thirty in the afternoon. He didn't call 911 until after 3 o'clock. He waited forever to call. And then he waited like That's 10 shocking. hours. To, yeah, he's horrible. And when I got to the hospital, um, he got on the phone and he said, why don't we just pull the plug? I said, pull your own. And I carried on for as (laughs) long as they would let me, and he hid my my power of attorney um, and my health proxy. He hid it so that he would have the control over my sister's life. And my sister was 50-something and had a heart attack, and her heart came, everything came back. They claimed that she had no light in the brain. So I said, why don't you do one more EEG, and they wouldn't do it. And I hmm. felt like I lost something. That's why my my last book is called Accusations. What happens when somebody's wrongly accused? And what happens, like my sister, when her voice is silenced? That's right. why I wrote it. And, and I'm on tour. And I'm, that is nobody shocking. Understood.
1: That is shocking, actually.
0: It is. I mean, it's, was it's it horrible. your thought that he
1: was sort of hoping she would just die on the floor? Uh, and then she when was she hoping
0: wouldn't, that she, she would, she, yeah, yeah, because he called
1: 911.
0: He called 911 about a uh, half- 45 minutes later, and yeah. I was like, how how could you – well, he had a girlfriend. We had the you know the memorial the year after, and he brought this thing there, his girlfriend there. Oh, At which point wow. I said, don't even come within 100 feet of me. And when it went to unveil the stone, my brother did with my nephew because I wouldn't let him go near it. I said, mm-hmm. for what you did to my sister, you're no longer part of this family. I didn't want to know you. I, I could wow. not – oh, yeah – so, where can everybody learn more about you and your and your books? Do you have any other series that i don't know about
1: No no, no, actually this is my first book so uh you know i've been a, a practicing lawyer for the last maybe what mm. forty years <laughs> uh so it's been that's really been what i've done uh i i uh, so you know, this was one of those things. I, I was kind of approaching retirement, thinking about you know things I hadn't done in my life that I, uh, I that I didn't want to turn into regrets, and writing this book is one
0: of them. Well, I can understand that. I retired from teaching when my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and mm-hmm. I was told that it was my job to take care of her because nobody else wanted mm-hmm. to. And yeah, I did for eight years. And took care of her Medicare, Medicaid, and I'm really good at getting home health aides and and help. I had eight home health aides because I just stuck up for my mother. And it it was kind of hard. So my sister said to me, I weigh 103 pounds. I weighed 200 when I retired because I was eating myself up into oblivion. And she said to me, you know, you're fat. My sister was skinny and gorgeous. And she said, why don't you write a book? I said, you're going to be sorry because I wrote a book about us growing up in the South Bronx. I didn't think she was going to talk to me over again. I wrote the truth, <laughs> seriously. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're very lucky because Ocean View doesn't take just everybody. So they must have really liked yeah, well, the I character. Appreciate. They really yeah, did. Yeah, I, I so, think
1: that's what it was.
0: I know that there are a lot of authors that, you know, have been with Ocean View, and then they put you pretty much like when you use the same character. And that you have a series. I I can tell you that from from the people that I review, which is Dick Belsky and um, Mm -hmm. Bruce Coffin and a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I just Mm -hmm. got Burning Distance. It's really good. So where can everybody get this five-star novel that I posted five stars on on Amazon?
1: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that, Fran, really. Uh, but Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any online outlet will have it. Uh, and it gets published on May sixteenth in two weeks um it'll be out in stores and uh hopefully people will enjoy it
0: well then i 'll have to repost it that day it's in my schedule everything's in my schedule that's why i oh yeah it's right there i did um i I post everything and i, can't, I you know I get these interviews and I said, I read your book, and it's very rare that I'll ask a publicist they usually ask me. So it's very rare that I ask a publicist if I'll do an interview. And I was like, yay! <laughs> and it She's took crazy. her a while, but I'm glad she did. Do you do panel shows ever? Because I do a lot of panels, and I come up with crazy things like this week. It's what type of <clears> questions <throat> would you ask if you're doing an interview? And what type of questions would you rather not answer? And a few other <laughs> things. Do, yeah, do you yeah. ever do them?
1: I, well, I haven't. Uh, you know, I've done it in the context of the legal profession. You know, I've done some
0: continuing legal education
1: stuff. But yeah, but that's you know, the, the, that's the only experience I have there. Uh, as an author, i everything is new <laughs> for me right now.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much. You just brightened my whole day. It made everything better. The sun is out. It's a beautiful day. James, thank you so much. Everybody, have a great day, and bye.
1: Thank you. All right. Bye bye.